Welcome to Central Baptist Church's Sermon Podcast. This program features the preaching and teaching of Corey Ramirez, the pastor of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. In God's Word, you will find the encouragement needed for today. And now, here is Pastor Ramirez. Living after Christ. That's the title of this lesson, or this message here this morning, Living After Christ. You know, in the Bible, we find uh, much concerning the Christian's responsibility to God. The Bible gives us much of that. And it's described in many different ways, but it's really the same. Let me give you a few examples. The Bible talks about the importance of walking with God. And it talks about the importance of looking to God, the importance of being faithful to God, abiding with God. And and if you notice something, everything is dependent upon God. That's what it is. Uh, We're to stay close to Him. We're to look to Him. We're to rely upon Him. So simply put, the Christian must maintain a relationship with Christ, a relationship with God, and with Him, Christ being the source of what we would call all things, dependent upon Jesus Christ as we go forward in life, fully and completely trusting in our Lord and Savior. Now this passage that we're going to look at here this morning, uh, I think we're given the reason why this should be done, the importance of it. Because when we follow Christ and we keep our eyes on Christ, then we're going to go the right direction in life. And that's what we want to be as a complete Christian. You see, a complete Christian is not going one way when they should be going this way. Uh, is not getting sidetracked, but going straight, following the Lord instead of turning from the right or to the left. So this morning, let's look here. We're going to be primarily focused here in Colossians chapter 2 on verses 8 and 9. And we're going to see what I'd call the importance of living after Christ. And I have uh, two points I'm going to share with you. And in each one of these, I'll have a few thoughts. The first one, we're going to talk about the dangers that are out there, the dangers that are in this world, and the dangers that we got to be aware of, and that we got to overcome or, or just make sure we're not getting ourselves into some trouble. And then we're going to talk about the directions, the directions that we must go. In this passage, we're given three directions that we could follow, and we're going to make sure we want to pick the right one. You know, directions are important. If you don't know where to go, uh, you can find yourself in some trouble quickly if, you, if you're not careful. Uh, there's a, and so if we have the wrong directions and we're not going the right way, uh, we pretty much can make a mess of things is what it amounts to. And so we want to make sure we're going the right way. So that's what we're going to look at here this morning as far as the directions. We're going to look at that. So let's get into this here. Let's look first at the dangers. The Bible tells us in Colossians 2, he says here in verse 8, Beware lest any man spoil you after through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not, he says, after Christ, not after Christ. You know, Paul already talked about the believer. In verse 7, he talks about the believer being rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ. Now, that's important because as a Christian, you know, you have a strong foundation that you can ground yourself to. You have a strong foundation that you can hold on to, and that's Jesus Christ. And so you're to be rooted in Christ, and you're to be growing. And how you grow is basically through your relationship with God. Seeking Him, walking with Him, talking with Him, reading the Word, praying, developing a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And you grow in the Lord, or what we call grow in God's grace. Uh, And those spiritual fruits will begin to come out. You won't have to, you know, wake up each morning and say, well, you know, I gotta be merciful, I gotta be. Now, sometimes you may have to. If someone says something, you may say, well, I gotta be patient. You know, what's gonna happen is you're gonna, I think the closer we walk to God or walk with God, those are gonna just start to become natural to us because it's the work of the Spirit in our heart due to us abiding with Christ and walking with God or seeking His ways. And so, Paul says, you already have what you need. You already have what you need. But then he, what we have here is he, he gives a warning. He goes into a warning to warn us. You know, there's some things that you can turn aside from. 
And if you do that, then you get yourself into trouble. So here's my thought on this. You know, there's some distractions in this world. There's distractions all over the place. And as Christians, we got to understand that those distractions, some of them will attempt to pull you away from Christ. They'll get you to go another direction. Uh, they'll get you to put maybe your faith in another place or another source or another location or your dependence or your trust somewhere else instead of in Jesus Christ. And sometimes it's purposely, all right? We just got to understand that. You know, there are some cunning people out there. Uh, there are some programs that are enticing that the whole goal almost is to put you or pull you away from Christ to get you to go another direction, perhaps their direction, what they think is best. And so just understand that. Then there's some what I call distractions that are not necessarily purposely. They're just part of living in a world of sin. You know, there's sinners out there. There's sin. And so when we live in a world filled with sin and sinners, we're going to have some things out there that we just got to be careful of. So as you build your life, you must be aware of some of the dangers that are out there. And let's talk about some of these dangers. All right, let's look here. Notice he says, we've read that in verse 8, it says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. I want to talk first about being captured. Being captured. <laughs> lest any man spoil you. Now that word spoil means to capture or to take captive. That's what that word means. Uh, you get a picture of a conquering army invading and defeating a land. And after they defeat the land or after they conquer the people... Uh, you know that phrase, to the victor goes the spoils. They began to take whatever they want, all the treasures, and they began to, to, to bring them back or bring them into their house or, or just claim them, basically. That's what this word's referring to. That's what this word spoil is referring to, is uh, basically all the treasures you get from conquering someone else or something else. But I want you to notice something here that is interesting, uh, is what he says here. He says, lest any man, he says, spoil you. Spoil you. Okay, notice... It's not taking spoil from you, but it's making you the target. Isn't that interesting? In other words, the goal is to capture you. You're the target. And to pull you away from Christ. You know, I think the devil's really not interested in our items. Definitely not near as much as we might be, the treasures of the world. He's probably more interested in trying to destroy us or to, to hurt us or to harm us or to pull us away from Christ. Now, once you're saved, he can't take you from Christ. But he can sure try to do his best to make life miserable for you or to get you discouraged where you're not serving Christ. And so what it is, he's, he's making a spoil of you, trying to pull you away. And that's the thought here as far as being captured is the spoil is you. So that tells us we got to be on guard and protect ourselves. You know, uh, the thought I have first off is we live in a world at war. Okay, not physical necessarily. Now some this morning are living in war zones. But here today, I thank the Lord for the peace we have in our country. But as far as spiritual, you know we're all living in a spiritual war zone. as a spiritual battle taking place. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 says, uh, Paul said this to the Ephesians. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Put on the whole armor of God. You know, I don't believe God would give us armor if he didn't want us to wear it. Or if he didn't think we would need it. I don't think he'd give us armor if we didn't need it. He tells us, put it on because the devil's active. And all those that are involved with him are active as well. And you need to be aware of those trials and troubles out there. Uh, an illustration I can give you. You know, think of today. you got football games taking place today. Uh, you know, football players wear, and they might not call it armor, but it's pretty much armor, helmets and shoulder pads and all sorts of other pads. There's a reason why they wear those. Because they're going to crash into each other for the next two hours once the game starts. Uh, it's a violent game. 
Now, if they didn't have those, there'd be all sorts of problems. I mean, some of them get injured anyway. Then have any of those, none of that equipment. It'd be, uh, probably wouldn't even make it through the first quarter in some of these games. You see, they need that for protection. Well, this morning, you need God's armor for protection. See, we need to understand that we're living in a world where there's a spiritual battle taking place. And understand that we have to be on guard and just watch uh, what we do and where we go. So, as far as getting back to our passage now, let's look at what he says here. The two warnings he gives here, he says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy or vain deceit. So here's the conflict now for us, okay, that he says, the conflict. First one, he says, through philosophy. Now, the word philosophy, a philosopher, a philosopher is pretty much a lover of wisdom, all right, someone who loves wisdom. And, uh, you know, when you first look at this word, some would say, well, what's wrong with loving wisdom? And I'm going to explain that here in just a second, because there's nothing wrong necessarily with wisdom itself, as we'll see here in a minute, as long as it's the correct wisdom, okay? Uh, actually, let's go over to James. Let me show you what James has to say. In the book of James, chapter 3. James chapter 3. And I'll begin reading in verse 13. James chapter 3, verse 13. He says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. I want to point out to you from this passage that there are two types of wisdom that the Bible will often talk about. Uh, one of them is what we call worldly wisdom. That's the first one he addresses. Notice he says it's earthly. That means of the world or of the earth. It's sensual. That means it pleases the flesh or it pleases what we might want, what our selfish desires might be. And he talks about this uh, last part. He says it's devilish. You know, it's of the devil, basically. And then he talks about what is wisdom from above. That's God's wisdom. Uh, Paul talked a lot about this in Corinthians. And basically, the wisdom from God is found through Jesus Christ. You want wisdom of God? Go to Christ. Know Christ. You'll receive his wisdom and you'll know the wisdom that is from above. Now, this is important here because what we find is Paul is not referring to what we call wisdom from God. He's referring to what we refer to as a, a worldly wisdom, a, wor- a wisdom of men, a wisdom of women, that, you know what, they'll take the knowledge and apply it in ways they think is best. And by the way, that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is the use of knowledge. Now, godly wisdom is the correct use of knowledge. Then you have the wisdom of the world, which is their use of the knowledge that is out here. And what we find is Paul says, beware. Beware of this type of wisdom uh, because it's enticing, it's appealing. It may seem right, but in the end, it's leading you away from God. It's taking you a different direction. So let's consider this wisdom for just a moment as far as the philosophy here. Worldly wisdom. You know, there's a lot of philosophies that are what we call earthly, sensual, and even outright devilish. I mean, just of the devil. A lot of ideas, a lot of thoughts, a lot of programs, a lot of plans. Some are being presented as right. Some are being presented as this is what you should do. And those are things, he says, you just got to be aware of. Anything that pulls you away from God, you need to stay away from that. Because you need to go after what is going to lead you to the Lord, what's going to take you to Christ and follow that direction. And then he uses the word vain deceit here. Vain deceit. Uh, that means, vain means empty. 
And deceit means delusions. Empty delusions or vain deceit is what we find. And, uh, you know, empty promises. That's what I'll give to you. Empty promises. That's like someone telling you something and you say, well, how come? And they say, well, just because I said so. Or believe this and, and it'll happen. And you say, well, how do you know it's going to happen? Well, because I said so. You know, it sounds good. It's going to happen. Now, you know, that may work fine for some things, but if you're talking about eternal matters and you're talking about the soul and you're talking about God, there needs to be some authority. There needs to be some evidence of some things, not just, hey, it sounds good. Not just, this is my idea. Now, that's what what we call earthly promises. In other words, it's interesting ideas, maybe thoughts, based upon, I don't know, worldly achievements, worldly recognition, worldly, what we would call intelligence, and coming to some conclusions without considering God in the picture. And that's what it amounts to. You know, it has nothing to do with intelligence, by the way. Okay, there's some intelligent people that don't believe in God. It has everything to do with ignorance. They're just, they don't know God. And if you don't know God, then you're not going to have the wisdom that God has to offer. And God has offered, and God has the wisdom that he, he gives. You know the book of Ecclesiastes? I'm not going to turn there. It's a long book, so I'm not going to read it to you this morning. But if you get a chance to read it, read through it. I know you've probably read it before. You know what that is? That's a book written by the wisest man that ever lived, Solomon. The wisest man that ever walked this earth outside of Christ. Basically, you know what he did? He forsook God's wisdom. And he chased worldly wisdom in an attempt to find peace and satisfaction. And he was left empty. And he concluded at the very end that it's God. That's where you find peace. That's where there's satisfaction. But you know what? He, he made the mistake of seeking that to begin with. That's what we're talking about here. Emptiness. Empty direction and following after those things. So what happens? Here's a good question. What happens to a Christian that's taken a spoil? Have you ever thought about that? We're talking about, he says, don't be taken spoil. What happens to a Christian that maybe is taken spoil or captured by some of these things? Well, let me state this up front. If you're saved, you'll not lose your salvation. All right? Because your salvation is of God. If you're saved, your salvation is of God. Let's turn over to John chapter 3. Let me point this out. John chapter 3. John chapter 3, and it says here in verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through Him might be saved. Okay, salvation, it's a simple, it's simple. God says, you've sinned. You've separated yourself from me because of that sin. You need to be saved. You can't save yourself. Nobody can save themselves. Nobody has the power to save themselves. Nobody can be good enough, earn enough money to save themselves, to please God or appease God. And God said, your sin is still has to be accounted for. So he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sin. And those that put their faith, who believe on Jesus, are saved. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what salvation is. Believe. He that believeth is saved. In other words, you trust in Christ. Not just, not just trust. Anyone can believe in anything. You believe in Christ, that he paid the price on the cross, that he died for your sin. And you receive his work, and you receive him as your Savior. And when you do that, the Bible says you're saved. Now, you're saved completely. The moment you're saved, you're saved. All right, You're not going to be any more saved tomorrow than you are today. You see, you're saved. Completely holy, you belong to God. Now, you're not going to lose that because it wasn't yours to begin with as far as you didn't gain it with your own power and strength. It's God who saved your soul. And God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So your salvation is secure with Him. 
Okay, so let's go back to the passage now. Let's say you're taken spoil. Say that some Christian is taken spoil. What happens to a Christian that is taken spoil? I think there are two things that happen. The first one is what we call loss of liberty. Their freedom in Christ is what they lose. They lose freedom in Christ. No, not, they're not going to go to jail or, or prison out in the world, unless they do something foolish and get, break the law out here. But they lose their liberty in Christ. You know why? They're going to bind themselves back to the world. That's what they're doing. You see, if they follow a worldly teaching, if they follow something that is going contrary to God's word or going away from Christ, they're binding themselves to this worldly teaching or to this worldly teacher. And they're losing their freedom in Christ is what's happening. And you know what they become? They become a slave. They're enslaved. You know, sin will enslave you is what it'll do. It'll control you. It'll dominate you. The Bible talks about the control of sin. That's why best to get stay out of it. If you've made a mistake, repent and forsake it. Because sin will control a Christian as well. Uh, you know, I mentioned Solomon. The wisest man in the Bible. Anyone know who the strongest man in the Bible is? Samson. Isn't it interesting? Both men fell to sin. The strongest man and the wisest man. Or you can say the strongest and the smartest. Both struggled. That just tells us we got to be careful. And when we make a mistake or if we allow ourselves to be taken spoil, we're going to lose our freedom in Christ. Uh, I guess you could say the picture of this is a, a picture of a free person living in shackles. What a picture. A free person living in chains, living in shackles. It doesn't have to be that way. But that's what happens when you go or you forsake Christ and go your own way or follow some other way. Another thought here I have is I think if, you, if you're taken spoil, you're going to... You're going to lose probably some of your love for God. Your relationship is going to suffer. You know love, the Bible teaching of love, it's agape. That's a choice. That's a love that acts, that chooses its object. Well, when we begin to follow a different direction or go away from Christ, we think our affections are going to be set. That we're going to put our affections on someone or something else. No longer looking to Christ no longer looking to Him and putting our love on Him. So our love for God is going to be affected. You see, what happens when we're taking spoil, we end up, I think a Christian can look just as much like the world as a lost person. And when we're taking spoil, that's what can end up happening. So what we got to do is be careful. Be careful of falling into one of these traps. You know, a relationship with God is important. Loved ones, a relationship with God is important. And that's key there. Because when you don't have a strong relationship with God, then everything becomes what I would call drudgery. It's a burden to serve God instead of a blessing. You wake up and say, well, I've got to go to church. You say, oh man, I've got to pray. I didn't read my Bible. It becomes a burden instead of a blessing. And let me illustrate this, how, how it should be a blessing to have a relationship with God. Uh, you know, uh, we'll just use an example here. You know, there's people, maybe you know someone today that's with the Lord. Maybe you know someone today that's, that's with God, a loved one, a friend. You know, I have uh, friends and loved ones that are with God today. I heard someone say, you know, the older you get, more friends you have in heaven than you have on earth. And I'm heading that direction. I'm getting more friends in heaven and looking forward to seeing them someday. But uh, let me give you a thought here. What if you could, you just think of someone. How about you think of someone today that's with the Lord. Uh, what if you could talk with them today? Now you can't, okay? Let me explain that. You can't, all right? Uh, and anyone who tells you you can, that, that falls into this, what we're talking about, vain deceit. So uh, I'm going to just use this as an illustration. 
let's say you could talk to them. I'll, I'll, share, I'll say my dad. If, if for some reason he said, you know, you could, you could have a conversation with your dad. Just spend lunch with him. Without a doubt, I would say yes. You think it would be a burden? Man, I'd cancel everything else. It would be no burden. It would be a blessing, would it not? And I imagine there's someone in your life or someone in the Lord, maybe several someones that you'd say, yeah, that would be such a blessing. Now, let me give you some hope. One day you'll, you will have a conversation with him again. You're going to see him again. But let me draw this back to our picture of a relationship. The reason why I would want to talk with my dad again is because the relationship I had with him. That's why I would want to just, just talk with him and see him. When you develop a relationship with God, you're going to want to talk to him. You're going to want to pray. You're going to want to share your, your day with him. You're going to want to say, God, thank you, God, for helping me with this. You're so wonderful. Thank you for answering this prayer. Or you're going to go to him and say, God, I need some help. God, I need help with this. Or you can say, God, you know, uh, please help my family member, my friend, my spouse, my, my child. Because your relationship with God is no longer going to be a burden to pray. It's a blessing that you can talk to God. Well, it's the same with studying the Bible, reading the Bible. You develop a relationship with God, you're going to want to be in the Bible because you're going to say, God, what do you have for me today? Let me hear what you have to say. Let me see what you want to teach me today from your word. You see, that's a, the relationship that we need to develop with God. And when you have that relationship with God, then all of a sudden it's no longer a burden to serve. And this is just two examples. It can carry into other areas of service too. It becomes a blessing. It becomes a blessing. And you get to strong relationship with God. So here's the final thought here. Don't lose out on that blessing with God. Because you're putting your dependence somewhere else. So you're trusting in something else. Put it in God so you have that blessing. Let's go on to our next point here this morning. We're talking about directions. Directions. Uh, you know, I mentioned at the beginning, if you're not sure what direction you're going, uh, there could be some problems. Uh, you know, you heard of the, the scientist Albert Einstein. Uh, there's a story told of him traveling by train. And he got on there and he was heading from, he was leaving New York, was going up north. And he got on there and he sat down, and this was when he was already proven, well-known at the time. And he gets in the, in the train, he sits down, and, and begins to travel. Well, back then, they'd come through and they'd check for tickets. And so the person who's checking tickets starts walking through. And he gets, uh, as he's starting to make his way there, he can't find his ticket. So he's looking all over for his ticket and can't find it and begins to search under his you know, luggage and everything else. And the person who gets there looks and waits for a few minutes and kind of begins to smile and says, he says, Professor, we all know who you are. He said, don't worry about it. You know, it's okay. You don't worry about your ticket. So he, he proceeded to walk on. And he went forward a few more chairs and he looks back and he sees the old professor still trying to find his ticket. And he's trying to find out, you know, looking under everything and on the ground. He, he goes back. He says, sir, sir, I told you, you don't need to find your ticket. We know who you are. And he looked. He said, young man, I know who I am too, but I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> and uh, you see, if we don't know the directions or if we're going the wrong direction, uh, we could get ourselves into some trouble. Uh, and so directions. Here's three of them here that I want to share with you. The first two we're going to be aware of. The second one, or the third one, is the one we want to follow. Notice he says here, let's get back to Colossians chapter 2. He's talking about some directions. Colossians chapter 2, he says here, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, 
after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Okay, the tradition of men. Basically, what men and women have determined, or what they think is right, or what they think is best. best uh, that'd be words passed down, not necessarily divine authority, uh, but ideas that someone had that has passed down through the years. Now, the, there's several problems with this, okay? Now, we're talking about spiritual. This could be concerning salvation. This could be concerning relationship with God. It could be concerning, you know, how we talk to God, pray to God, scriptures, all, all sorts of things. But here's some problems with this. The problems are several. One is, you know, when you talk about men and women and you talk about opinions, uh, there's probably about as many opinions out there as there are men and women out there. Right? Everyone's got their opinion. Everyone's got their idea. And so that leads to the next question. Who's, what makes someone's opinion any better than anyone else's? Really, when you think about it. Now, some will try to use their title, maybe, or an education, or their experience to say, my opinion's better than yours. Uh, but in reality, it's still an opinion, is what it comes down to. If it's from men and women, it's still opinion. Now, some may be right, some may be good. But some may be way off as well, because it's an opinion. And that's what traditions are. They're, they're traditions that were handed down through the years. Now, there's nothing wrong with establishing traditions. Some of you may have family traditions, things that you do around the holidays, that you every year you do. That's It's a tradition. Uh, there's nothing wrong with traditions so long as we understand that they're not what we'd call scripture or divine direction from God. Now, if you begin to say those traditions are from God, and you can't back it up in the Word of God, then that's where the problem comes. And so he says, beware of those types of traditions, those teachings that have been passed down through the years that people are saying, you got to do this, you got to do that. Uh, and if you don't do this, you don't do that, then you're in trouble, or you can't go to heaven, or something else occurs. Because he says, you know what, those are just opinions of men and women. Those aren't divine direction from God. And be careful of those. You know, there are some churches that are, I tell you what, they they got more traditions than they do Bigger than the Bible. I mean, there's just a list of things that you must or must not do, and you won't find a lot of those things actually in the Scriptures. And that's what you got to be careful of. And Paul says, stay away from those. Don't, don't be sidetracked. As a Christian, following a direction of someone else who's just had a good idea. Uh, be careful of that. Now, as far as some of these traditions out there, here's the other thing. You know, as time passes, opinions change. How many of you ever changed your opinion on something? You know, as you as you've gotten older, maybe you see something in a different light, or maybe you have different experiences or knowledge, and all of a sudden your opinion changes. Well, you know, that can happen as well. There's some, unfortunately, who've had ideas and thoughts, and they led people the wrong way, and then 20 years later you find out they don't even believe the way they were leading them. They believe something else now, or they're going a different direction. And so that's where we must make sure that we are going after Christ, as we'll talk about here in a minute, and not after these traditions. Not following these as being what God has said, but we're looking to Christ. And that leads to the second one here. That's the rudiments, after rudiments. Now, a rudiment is, I don't use that word very often, at least in my everyday language. Uh, I don't know if you do, so I'm going to describe it for you here. A rudiment is an orderly arrangement, a proposition, or I guess you would say a principle. Uh, I believe that would include worldly plans, programs, methods, a lot of our denominations, religions, you know, we have a lot of things that, when I say we, denominations do a lot of things that are not scriptural. But you better not change it because that's the way we do it. And that's what he's talking about here. Be careful of those things, especially if it comes down to salvation. Talking about teachings that Christ has or the teachings of, of the Bible. So a rudiment is basically something that is put in place as a method or a plan. The problem with these is, uh, again, we're talking about sinful men. 
sinful women creating programs. Folks, here's what it's coming down to. Beware of anything that leads you away from Christ, is what he's saying. And there are a lot of things that can lead you away from Christ that may sound good, that may appear to be good, but if they're not leading you after Christ, then they're leading you somewhere else. And you don't want to go where they're leading, you want to just follow Christ. You want to stay right there with Him. And that's found in the Scriptures. And that's found in the Bible. And that's what we're going to get to next. Here's the last one here. After Christ. After Christ. Here's the problems with world traditions and the rudiments of the world and the traditions of men. Is that they're not after Christ or they're not according to Him. Is the problem with those. You see, any teaching, any teacher, any religion, any church that is not after Christ is wrong. This is what it amounts to. It doesn't matter if they're nice, if they're sincere. Uh, If they're not after Christ, then they're wrong. They're going the wrong direction. And anyone that tells you that you can have a relationship with God without Christ is wrong. The Bible says you need Christ in your life to have a relationship with God. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father by me. That's John 14, 6. Those are his words. So anyone that tells you that you can get to God or have a relationship with God outside of Christ, they're wrong. Not because I say so, but because Christ has already said so. It's clear we have to go through Him. And that's the warning here. We must remain faithful to the teachings of God and the teachings of Christ. You see, philosophy and vain deceit. I guess here's my summary of this. Philosophy and vain deceit through the traditions of men and the rudiments of the world draw people away from Christ. That's, that's what they do. And that's the warning Paul has given us. That's the point he's trying to make. He's trying to, to get us to understand that we must maintain a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, focus on Him, follow Him. Now, that's not to say there's not good programs out there. I want to clarify that. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with a Sunday school program or a teacher, so long as the focus is on Christ and it's not pulling away, but it's leading to Christ and focusing on the Lord. So here's uh, something to consider. If the road you're traveling on does not lead to Christ, then you're on the wrong road. You're on the wrong road. Even as a Christian, we can get on the wrong road and follow something else or someone else. And at some point, that means you made a wrong turn, right? If you're saved, because you believed in Christ, you trusted in Christ, but at some point, you, you made a wrong turn. And it may have been a sharp right or a sharp left, or usually it's a subtle turn. You know, those curves that you just slowly come up. Maybe that's what it was, just a slow change. And the next thing you know, you're not seeking after Christ. You've just been going a different direction all of a sudden. So maybe you've been misdirected. Maybe someone has influenced you and you've been misdirected. Maybe you just made a mistake and you turned the wrong way. I've been there before in life. You know, you, you make a mistake and you turn the wrong way. You know, there's nothing more to, I guess, say, I don't know if I say frightening or discouraging than going the wrong way. You ever done that before on the road? Uh, I've done that where I've gone the wrong way, and I'm thinking, where am I at? And I find out, oh, i got to be over here. And then I end up driving faster, which I shouldn't do, just to get back to where I should be, creating more problems. You see, that's what happens when we get away from Christ. We can Problems can multiply, and we can have other issues. So we must maintain our walk with God. So whatever the case this morning, if if you had you got on the wrong road, just turn around, get on the right road. Get back with God. Put Christ first in your life. Seek Him. You see, in Christ, let's get ready to wrap this one up this morning. Notice he says here, verse 9, 
For in Him, referring to Christ, in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Him. So we have three ways to go. Traditions, rudiments, or after Christ. And then Paul says, if you're going to follow after Christ, understand something. In Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, even when he was on earth in his bodily form, he was not only the Son of God, but he was the representation of God on earth. That's why when Philip answered him, or asked him, he said, how can we know? In John 14, he says, how can I know the Father? And he said, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because he is a manifestation of God. And that's who he was here on earth. And that's who Christ is today. And so what we have here, he says, in him is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, think about that word for a moment, fullness. That means complete. Uh, it refers to something absolute, uh, something of a final, I guess you say, a finality. You know, Jesus Christ is it. Is when you think about it, he's it. He's the true God. He's the one that we should look to. He's the one that we should point people to. Because he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everything that's needed, that we need, is in Him. He's the source. He's the strength. He's the power. You know, this morning, if you have a lamp and you need some power, you you plug it in a lot of places, doesn't mean you're going to get light. You need to plug it into a source that's going to provide some power. Well, it's the same with a Christian's walk with God. We must make sure that we're plugged into Christ, so to speak, and we're receiving His power as we live. And, And notice He says, He's the fullness Fullness. You know that word full? That implies something that is sufficient, right? Not lacking. Sufficient. Let me illustrate this. Uh, we're getting near the shopping season. A lot of people like to shop for the holidays. Uh, some of you may have already started. You know, some of the stores already got all their Christmas stuff out. You know, they're ready. Some of you may start shopping already. You know, when you think of you go to a store, let's say you go to a store and you're looking for something. And you walk in and, and the aisles are full. And what you're looking for, you go and you got maybe 10 different options. You can pick this one here, this one here, this brand here, this brand here. You know, it may not be one of those satisfying moments. Well, maybe it depends on what you're looking for. You're like, oh, I found it finally. But you know, isn't it one of those moments where you're like, well, you know, this is what I need. It's right here. I just got to get it. Now let's flip that around. Have you ever been looking for something and you go in and, and it's not there? You know, I got to go find it somewhere else. There's that dissatisfied moment. You know, I gotta go look over here, or look over here, or go find somewhere else to find this. Jesus Christ satisfies. That's the point here this morning. He satisfies the soul. He's all you need. The key is staying with Him, walking with Him, making sure we're not being distracted by things of the world and that we're not being sidetracked, but we're following with Christ and we're looking to Him. And if you do that, you can enjoy a full life because He's full. And He can give you that fullness. And you can enjoy a life today with the fullness of Christ in your heart. You know, in closing, let me give you two final thoughts. You know, as a, to be satisfied, you have to know Christ. It's got to start with your relationship with God. In other words, you have to be saved. And to be saved, you have to understand you're a sinner. Understand that your sin is separated from God. I talked about it a little bit earlier. But let me just remind you, to be saved, you have to repent of your sin. In other words, turn. Repentance is just, it's just a turning uh, it's a turning around, understanding the way I'm going is wrong. I'm going to look to you, God, and I'm going to receive you as my Savior. And that's what salvation is. It's not about works. It's not about doing better than you did today than you did yesterday. It's about receiving Christ as your Savior. And so that's where it begins. I want to encourage each of you this morning to make sure you're saved. Examine your heart. I can't answer that for you. Truthfully, the person sitting next to you can't answer that for you either. 
Because that's between you and the Lord. So make sure you're saved. Make sure you've received Christ as your Savior. If not, that can be settled today. But here's the the thought I'll give to Christians. If you're saved here this morning, you accepted Christ as your Savior. You know, if you choose to follow another way, and, and by the way, God gives us choices. If you choose to follow another way, or if you get sidetracked and go a different direction, uh, I think you're going to be robbed of the blessings that come with a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what's going to happen. It talks about being taken, captured, you know, spoil. You're not going to lose your salvation, but you're going to be robbed of those blessings that you could have on a daily basis. Let me give you a few examples. You'll be robbed of His strength to overcome sin and temptation. Because you'll be relying on something else. You'll be robbed of His joy in your life. You'll be robbed of His peace during difficult times. You'll be robbed of His comfort when you're hurting or discouraged. You see, the point here is you want to continue with Christ so you can receive those blessings. You've been listening to the preaching of Pastor Ramirez of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you would like more information about Pastor Ramirez or Central Baptist Church, please visit our website, centralbaptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us again for another message from God's Word.